This episode features first-hand accounts from real people detailing their disturbing experiences. Listener discretion is advised. Yeah, my name is Robert. I live in Connecticut. I work in uh, compliance and internet recruiting, but I'm also an actor and a part-time film critic, writer, um, huge into theater, huge into horror movies. Yeah, incidentally, the house that I grew up in uh, has been with the family for generations and had several families live in it beforehand. And I do believe that the, the house that I grew up in is haunted. There are things that happen here that I can't explain, and that even the skeptics of the family have experienced things throughout the years and the decades that uh, um, they also can't explain. So that's kind of the context that I grew up in, and I'm not someone who is very... I'm not easily scared, just because I cr- kind of grew up with horror movies and loving that stuff and really fascinated by it. Um, but this story in particular was something that again, in in addition to what I've experienced growing up, was something that really shook me and that I can still remember every detail of it, even to this day. Um, So this was in 2004, the fall of 2004, when I went to a liberal arts college in Dix Hills, which is in Suffolk County, New York, so Long Island. And incidentally, it's about uh, 25 minutes away from Amityville, where the DeFeo murders of the Amityville horror had taken place. And within the first month or two of the freshman year, I found myself uh, a few people in our theater department who had the same sensibility that I did, just enjoyed, you know, a lot of fun and ghost stories, harmony, that whole thing, and in addition to theater. Uh, so it was one of those things where you meet these people and you say, all right, I'm going to know these people for the rest of my life. And you instantly hit it off. And that's just it. And it was this particular group was six guys, myself included, and one girl. You know, freshman year was tough as it is for everyone, but we were all there for each other to make each other laugh, have nights in the weekend to hang out and get to know each other. And that made the first few months of college, which can be scary, uh, very enjoyable. At the beginning of our second year, we decided that in October, as the Halloween season was ramping up, we would find a creepy wooded spot in, you know, either in that town or some some town nearby and just kind of scare the crap out of each other. We were amateur ghost hunters, I suppose, so that's kind of what we we were going into it as. And so we did some research and found that there was something called Sweet Hollow Road that was not too far from the college. Now, New England and New York are have several famous haunted roads. For instance, there's uh, Mount Misery in Huntington, there's Sweet Hollow Road in Long Island, Clinton Road, which is in New Jersey, and then in Massachusetts and Connecticut, there are also haunted cemeteries and whatnot. And Sweet Hollow Road, if you look it up on Google, has pages of stuff and different legends that people have experienced. Um, there's a haunted bridge, there's a ghost black dog that you that might be able to be seen. So we figured that this was perfect for us. And so our idea was just to split each other up into two different cars and head out to the night and just kind of see where things took us. So 
here's how it works. You turn off of a busy main road, which is flooded with strip malls and restaurants and uh, the like, and you're almost immediately greeted by total darkness. And this area was very heavily wooded, and it was essentially a large web of winding roads that were surrounded by trees, very few streetlights, not very many houses, and I believe that without a GPS or a good sense of direction, you could get lost in there. And so we all made sure that we had fully charged phones and flashlights just in case, but the main goal was to just keep driving until we decided that it was time to get out and do some amateur ghost hunting. And so per the directions, we made a left off of the main road and we drove for about 20 to 30 minutes in this, you know, dark network of roads and side roads and uh, dead ends and whatnot. And we were just picking directions at random, just trying to get intentionally lost. And so our cars made a turn and to our surprise, there was a a huge log in front of us. And so we had reached a dead end of some kind um, that had nothing but trees beyond it. So we all got out to see exactly what this was. We stepped over this massive log and noticed two narrow, narrow trails leading in different directions. We figured that, well, there's trails that were, you know, here for us. Let's grab our flashlights and see what we find. And so we flipped a coin and we set off on the trail to the right. The trail started relatively wide, but it got so narrow that we had to walk single file to avoid getting whacked by leaves and branches. And... I just happened to end up in the back. Now, I'm usually, again, pretty rational and level-headed, but for the first time in a long time, uh, the the further that we went in, the more I was just kind of feeling really uneasy. I was thinking that I heard things. You know, it could have just been us, but I was getting the sense that someone was watching us. It just made me very uncomfortable, and then I remembered that, like, this is a completely new area for me. I don't know this area. It's a huge forest like who knows what we would find in there and i also realized that we were seven able able body college students and whatever we came across you know we would most likely be able to handle it so we walked down this trail for about 20 minutes and just when i thought it wasn't going to end we came to a massive clearing and it was huge it was like a large open field of uh, unkempt grass and it was comparable in scope to a golf co- golf course, but um, it wasn't as well manicured or taken care of. And there were trees that trees that surrounded the entire field, which was so large that we couldn't see the end of it from where we were standing. I was thrilled to get out of that trail, but I don't think any of us were expecting to actually find an area that large. One of us looked to the right and said, hey, check that out. And so we all turned and there was an old dilapidated house several hundred yards away. And the house was completely dark. No cars or signs or any indication that anyone had lived there or had been there in a long time. So we walked over and we shined our flashlights in it. And sure enough, the windows and the doors were all boarded up. Um, I managed to look through uh, two of the boards and saw that There was just an old white couch that was covered in plastic, but other than that, I don't really remember being able to see much of anything. And so whoever was there or used to live there, uh, there was, again, no indication that they had been there for some time. And at this point, we were all feeling sufficiently creeped out, 
and we kind of got what we were looking for, so we decided that we should probably walk back towards the trail we came in and just get back in the car and see what else we can find. So we were walking back towards that, and then before we could do that, my friend Matt stopped what he was doing, and his expression dropped, and he pointed. And so we all turned, and on the very far side of the field, which was directly across from that entrance we had come in, we could see someone tall, lanky, and pale, kind of dancing among the trees. And by that, I mean grabbing a tree, swinging around it, grabbing another tree, swinging around that, and it was some sort of demented dance. And the moon was so bright and the woods so dark that it actually took me and I, I, I guess everyone else a second to process what we were looking at. Jeff, who was, he was like, you know, he's six or four, he's built like a wrestler, huge skeptic and wise ass of the group. He just wasn't seeing it. So I pulled him in. I said, you know, Jeff, look, and I pointed to it. And I said, don't you see that? And so we're all looking at him like, you know, why can't you see this? And he squinted and then he gasped and started back grabbing my arm and said, what the fuck is that? And as we looked back to look at this thing, whatever, whoever that was or whatever it was, stopped dancing, stopped moving, looked in our direction and started charging straight at us. And without even thinking, we freaked out and ran back towards the trail. And yet again, Jeff was the only one who didn't see it. And so he shouted after us and we can hear him going, guys, what is that? Where are you going? And so after about 15 seconds of running like crazy, we heard him scream, holy shit. And I looked back and saw his flashlight following the rest of us into the trail. And so the walk into the woods took about 20 minutes, but we made it back to our cars and hopped it in, hopped in them and started peeling away in about closer to five minutes. So we, we just wanted to get out of there. Once we were a safe distance away, we pulled over, we got out, checked in with each other about what just happened, and I, my heart was pounding, and I know that everyone else is feeling the same way. Um, and this is something else that I didn't mention before, which is that one of the many legends of Sweet Hollow Road is that of a ghost black dog, or some kind of a dog-beast kind of hybrid that will cross the street and look at you and it's stopping to look at you and then walking into the woods is a portentous thing of doom um and so when we were driving out of there you know there was really just two cars trying to just get away from there and we were following too closely and the car that i was in which was in front stopped short because sure enough there was a black dog no collar that was just in the middle of the street not faced by two cars coming at it looked at us and headed you know, just walked calmly uh, off of the road. And I didn't mention that initially because that would take the story into a whole nother kind of level of just maybe not being believable. But I learned about this dog after the fact. And sure enough, there are um, that those kind of myths are in writing as well. Coming up after the break... We're going to hear Rob's thoughts on what it is he thinks he encountered out in the woods. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Listen to this. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. 
Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Support for this episode comes from Audible. You guys already love podcasts, so I'd be willing to bet you'll love Audible too. They have the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. I just finished The Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule. It's the shocking true story of serial killer Ted Bundy. And this is an excellent follow-up to our very first episode with Kathy Kleiner. I binged this whole book in probably three days. They have all your favorite genres, bestsellers, mysteries, dramas, and everything in between. The best part of Audible for me is you can listen on the go, wherever you are. Whether you're driving or working out, whatever it may be. This is a game changer. Audible members get to choose one audiobook every month, regardless of price, as well as two Audible originals you can't get anywhere else. You can enjoy easy audiobook exchanges, rollover credits, and an audiobook library you keep forever, and you can access anytime, anywhere. You can get started with a 30-day free trial, and you'll get your first audiobook as well as two Audible originals completely free by visiting audibletrial.com slash disturbed. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash disturbed. This episode is made possible by Supporty. Are you struggling to stay motivated to the goals you've set for yourself? Maybe you're trying to wake up earlier, but you keep hitting that snooze button. Or maybe you're trying to cut back on sweets, but you find yourself opening the fridge when you're stressed out. Well, One of the best ways to make lasting behavioral changes is by an accountability partner who will help you stick to positive daily actions. So how do you find a reliable accountability partner who is going to engage with you and keep you honest? Supporty is a mobile app that matches you with accountability buddies for a week at a time. Supporty pairs you and a buddy up one-on-one. That's for maximum accountability. Plus, it's mutual, so you encourage your buddy and they encourage you each day of your seven-day session. What's really cool is you can see whether your partner accomplished their daily actions and they can see whether you've done yours too. If you want a more effective way to stay motivated, experience the difference of an accountability partner. Download Supporty, that's support with an I at the end, from the Apple App Store or Google Play Store, And make sure you choose Disturbed Podcast when you create your account to start your two-week free trial. You can check out the show notes of this episode for more details. Get encouragement, get motivated, and achieve more with Supporty. So when you first saw this figure in the woods doing this weird, crazy dance, about how far away was it? It's hard. The way that I would put it is that if we hadn't started running, he was far enough away that he would actually, it would actually take him a couple of minutes to actually get to us. This thing, like his, again, this field, I, I had learned in subsequent years that I can't remember if it used to be a summer camp or it was at the time. And you know, because it was in the middle of the school year that it just wasn't being used. But I 
don't recall ever seeing a summer camp that used this much property. It was huge. We knew that we, if we started running, we would have a head start. So that, that's a really good question of just like, I, I, it was hard to say how far it is, but he was far enough that if we ran and got into our cars, there's no way he could have caught us. Did it look like it was a male figure? You know, to this day, I can't even tell like if male or female, all that we know was that it was almost, this sounds so crazy the more I talk about it, it was translucent to the point where like, if you weren't looking for him, you wouldn't be able to see him. But as soon as we pointed him out to Jeff, he had to kind of peek, you know, peer a little bit and squint to make, you know, to make a, a form of him. But it was so hard to get any sort of read on male, female, any any sort of defining characteristics. My first thought was that one of us had separated from the group while we were checking out the the house and was playing a prank on us. It was that kind of group. They're all we're again we're all theater kids. We love to just be expressive and just be crazy. And uh, so I really thought until I looked around and saw that we were all accounted for that it was one of us who had ran ahead and decided to just mess with us. And because like the whole point of going out there was to scare each other and you know find something creepy. But never in a million years did we actually did I actually expect to see something that and it, again it was. It would have been one thing if one of us saw it, but the fact that we all, once it was pointed out we saw it, it was just, it was fascinating. I have to say, like, that's why none of us moved at first. Um, we were just kind of looking at it, just being like, what is, who is that? Is that one, is that someone that, you know, is this a prank or something like that? And to this day, I don't know. I don't know if, if one of us in the group, uh, set that all up and was having someone do that, but that would have to be a pretty elaborate setup, though, right? That's such a great point. It's like they would have had to know every step of where we were going to be. That's why. The, but but on the flip side, it's like who would have been out there in the woods at that time of night? It was, you know, probably eleven, eleven thirty, close to midnight. Why would someone be out in that area? Just. Like again, and did he know that we were there? Like, what was I? I there were so m- much more questions than answers, even to this day. Um, and you know, it's what fifteen years later, and all of us are still friends. Just had a a Zoom meet, you know, Zoom call with a few of them uh, last weekend. And every now and then, whether it's text or on a phone call, one of us will say, "Hey, sweet holler, like, did that happen?" And just to kind of confirm to us that, yeah, it did. And it still makes absolutely no sense. In that, like when I was a kid, just disembodied figures that I would see. And not not scary for me. Like other people might be terrified. But for me, it was more interesting and fascinating. I wanted to get to understand what, what I was, you know, was I seeing anything? Was it a manifestation? Was it someone trying to reach out? And so, you know, uh, it didn't surprise me that our first impulse was not to run, but just to watch it and... Uh, get a better sense of what this thing was up to. And then when it started running at us, uh, we all had the exact same idea, which was run, let's not try and figure this thing out anymore. So when you look back on it now and think about it, do you get the impression that it was a physical person out there or more of like a spirit or an apparition or something like that? You know, I, I have absolutely no idea. I really don't know. Either possibility is 
bizarre and interesting in its own way. One of them, you know, the idea that someone was out there, you know, just flailing about. Yeah, like the idea that someone was actually out there doing that. And, you know, and then in hindsight, I was thinking, was that the person that I was? Because, again, there were two trails that were running parallel to each other. Did this person follow us in through the other one and kind of keep track of us that way? Because I definitely heard rustling that was not ours. Um, it was further out into the woods in that direction of the other trail. So if someone was there, it would have been easy for them to take the other trail, follow us that way, and while we were busy with the house, run straight ahead and go to that side of the, the clearing. Definitely the scariest that like, you know, if it was some sort of apparition in the woods, then it was most likely it, it did have when it was dancing had more of a playful and like jovial kind of energy. And the running is what, you know, took us took us back for a second. But I did we have gone back there in uh, subsequent even after I tried, you know, I think most of, of that group transferred out of that uh, at school the following year, not for that reason necessarily. Um, but we I did go back to that same area at least two or three more times, sometimes with the same group. Other times I took friends from Connecticut uh, that I just wanted to show them that area and nothing similar, nothing even remotely similar happened. In fact, it was kind of disappointing to go out there again and not run into something crazy. Did you guys go back out to where the house was? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And actually, Jeff, who is the 6'4 uh, wrestler type, this I can't believe I'm admitting this right now, but he actually uh, kicked the door open uh, to that house. Uh, yeah, we, you know, I think it was the next time that we all as a group went over there. I think it was the following semester, but he was just kind of an impulsive person. And he was like, I'm going to kick this door. And we all tried to tell him no. We don't know whose house this is or what the deal is. And he almost kicked it completely open. And none of us were happy about it. Did any of you guys try to call out to the figure when you first saw it? Or was it too far away? It's too far away, and that's the. I think the part that scared us the most is that we didn't realize that this guy or whoever it was had seen us. You know, it was so dark that, like, we for whatever reason we just it never occurred to us that this person that we were watching could also see us. And so once he did, he stopped and then started running for us. And it was just that primal human instinct to run in the opposite direction and not wait to stick around to see what motives they had we had flashlights and everything and that was how i knew that jeff saw it and was following because i heard him shrieking at the top of his lungs turn around and saw his flashlight falling way behind us um but yeah we had flashlights and i believe that someone else in our group i can't remember who but they had also done some sort of amateur ghost hunting and they had night vision goggles which would have been useful at that time but we didn't even think to take them out of the bag it was one of those fall nights where the, it was just the moon was extremely bright um, and it, we were in a completely open area had no problem seeing in that and it was only on that far side of the of the clearing that it was a bit sh- more shadowy um, which is where this thing was doing its its routine um, but no when we were out in that field we didn't we didn't need the flashlights at all it was very well lit when we were it's hard to say if when we were walking it took about 20 minutes from car to the field that running back it was about five minutes 
Um, yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to say exactly how far, but um, you know, it was it, a running back. It felt like it took forever. It was only a few minutes, um, but we just wanted to get out of there, get into the car, and have all of us make it too. You know, we couldn't. We obviously couldn't leave anyone behind. What's going through your mind when this thing starts charging at you? I mean, you're a group of seven guys, so that has to be very strange. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, for whatever reason, you know, on the way in, my thinking was, well, you know, we're, it's, we're seven. We're all, you know, we're, we all, we can all take care of ourselves. It's fine. And yet, at the same time, you know, in any horror movie, when you see people running, it's like, you know, in that moment, that's all that we could think of to do and then once we got in the car get out because we don't and now also at this point it's like if that guy is out here does he do they also have people out there joining them you know and hearing scary you know true stories apparently uh in the later years on youtube of just like people who went out in the woods and there was a cult out there or they were you know there was they saw one person initially but there was several other with them it's like you don't know um and stopping to even try and deal with this person just didn't seem like something that any of us had any interest in at that point. You said you guys took off right away. How close did it end up getting to you guys? As soon as you started running, we started, we immediately walked, we ran in the opposite direction. So it's hard to say if they got any traction, but they were going fast. And again, the the field was so large that even if we stopped what we were doing and waited for him, it would have taken a while for him to get to us. That's how big this clearing was. And I, th- yeah, again, I think that it was um, some kind of a s- field for a summer camp. Or something. I've tried to actually look for it on Google Earth, and I've seen large fields that were similar, and I can't say decisively if that was it. Um, but yeah, the second within seconds of this person running, I was out and did not look back, hopped in the car, we were out of there. That's the thing. It's like I, in that moment, when someone starts running at you, and you don't know who they are or what they're capable of, the you know that your your survival instinct kicks in and you are gone in the opposite direction. Um, and just at that point, so many things just weren't even making sense. Why was this person out here? Were they were they a member of the group? No, they weren't. Who is that? What are they doing? Why are they dancing? Why are they like swinging around the trees? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom, right for us. Um, and they'll just, and again, like in the decade and a half since then, you know, we, we always, every time the group of us on Texter calls, every time one of us brings up, we're like, yeah, that really happened. Just because even I sometimes can't believe that it actually happened. And I'm telling this story to, to yourself, to other people throughout the years. And I just have to remind myself that, yeah, that that is still something in my life that just any possible any possible explanation also comes with questions of its own yeah and having those six other people kind of uh, verify that for me every chance that i need it every time that i'm like no that didn't then they're like yeah it really did happen exactly as you're saying it um you know i i've a part of me wants it to be not true just because the reality of it is so confusing and and uh, horrifying. But um, on the other hand, it was in hindsight, it was thrilling to be a part of something that just didn't end up hurting us. Just really, you know, scared me probably more than anything that I've experienced since then. 
Yeah, you don't think that something like that's going to happen to you ever. You know, you you see in in horror movies, you see on television, you see these wild situations that you know there's a twist or something at the end, and it all makes sense. But to be a part of a situation that, you know, again, if it was just me or maybe one other person, that would be one thing. And it's like, well, maybe we got some of the details wrong. No, it was a group of us, and we were all there to kind of experience it and be freaked out together and just running for our lives. And, you know, it could have, for all we know, been some person out there who followed us in and decided to scare us. Uh, Any alternative other than that is inherently scary uh but it was something that we laugh about now but at the time it was you know just really extraordinary and horrifying <laughs> yeah 15 years um and we've we've all seen each other through marriages and divorces and children uh changing jobs changing cities and that core group has not lost touch and i think that was a large part of it you know we all uh, had that freshman year to kind of bond but then that incident is something that I know if I went up to any one of them and said and mentioned Sweet Hollow Road, they I I would see their expression change. Yeah, that was it was a pretty pretty amazing thing. The bit about the dog, and you know that that was a whole other thing because that almost caused us to crash into each other because you know we me and my friend Chris was driving. We turned around this corner just trying to we didn't care about where we were heading. We just wanted to get as far away from that spot as we could turn around a sharp turn and there's a kind of a black lab it looked like or like a lab german shepherd mix from what i can remember aged so that the fur was somewhat gray just standing in the middle of the road looking at us not not barking not doing anything and then just slowly walks off so that was freaky enough google sweet hollow road you'll see uh pages about the ghost dog and about the uh, covered bridge that moves your car if you park underneath it and I've since tried to explain to the other folks in this group guys you know there's a story about remember the dog there's a ghost dog myth this is not good and none of them really take me seriously they're like oh Rob it was just a dog and I'm like alright alright like maybe I'll, I'm getting out of hand with that but it was still a part of the um, of the whole puzzle that I still don't think that they really understand that it's like that was another legend that we saw and we didn't realize that at the time i'm always thrilled when i tell that story and people actually uh they have the reaction that i had too which was just you know bewilderment and uh terror and it's it's fascinating you know there and it was it was at a turning point in all of our lives you know it's it's college and that's a time of discovering more about yourself and it's you know not necessarily this kind of incident that you want in your college experience but it definitely was a formative uh night for us i mentioned before that i'm a horror you know horror film buff and a writer and i've been writing horror movie reviews for some time and i was encouraged by friends to put them into a kind of a comprehensive blog um so i do have an instagram account if anyone wants to follow it it's instagram.com slash robbie r-o-b-b-y underscore horror Robbie Horror. Um, and there I put in images and then short capsule reviews uh, of horror movies that are either current or classics, uh, ones that I enjoy um, or not enjoy. And I put my thoughts about them in a very concise and hopefully entertaining way. Thanks to Rob for coming on and sharing his story, and a creepy one at that. Make sure to go check out his Instagram, as he mentioned, at Robbie, R O B B Y underscore horror 
And before we go, an update to the Patreon fan club. You're now able to support the show for just $1 a month, and you'll even get your own shout-out in the podcast. Full benefits are available at the $5 level, where you'll enjoy that same shout-out, plus early access to new episodes, an ad-free listening experience, 15% off all merch orders, and an exclusive bonus episode every month that I'm calling Disturbing Calls. These will be the most intense and disturbing 911 calls publicly available. I'll be dropping the very first episode of Disturbing Calls in the Disturbed feed for free in the coming days, just to give you a taste. After that, this will be a Patreon-only feature. So make sure you're in the fan club by visiting disturbedpodcast.com slash fan club. You've been listening to Disturbed. You can see more info on our website, disturbedpodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, help us grow by sharing the show with a friend. And make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening so you always get the newest episodes automatically. Don't forget you can submit your very own true disturbing encounter by calling our hotline and leaving a voicemail at 701-712-8008. You can also contact us through our website. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod to stay up to date with all the latest Disturbed news. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. <laughs>